you're listening to Swinging Down Under, a podcast about the swinging, non-monogamous lifestyle, from two crazy Australians with over four years of lifestyle antics to keep you entertained, informed, angry, happy and horny. Join our international swinging adventures. Hi, g'day guys, and welcome back. This is episode 114 of Swinging Down Under. Thanks for joining us again, as always. Hello. Hello. Hello, Daryl. Hello. Today is an episode that I spent a little bit of time interviewing a lady, a self-confessed slutrepreneur called Rebecca Blue. So that's coming up in the second half of this podcast. Have a listen. It is really interesting to hear her perspectives on how she literally went from the... Literally? Literally. How she went from the bubbles room at a strip club to now being the CEO of multiple successful e-commerce stores. So hang about and check that out. Before we get into it though, as always, a little bit of um, harassment audio from D. as always. I like it. How are you enjoying these would-you-rather harassment audios that I like to spring on you at random hours of the day? Uh, well, it's normally random hours of the night, so yeah, I would prefer to sleep, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's all I got. Right. So I'm going to play them right now. So let's get a listen to those and we'll be back soon. Hey. Yes. You've got two options here. You can either... It's a standard practice for this. Fuck you, then. You've got three options. You can either... <laughs> Okay, these are the only types of movies you can watch for the rest of your life. Yeah, okay. And you can't watch any TV. Yep. Horror movies, nothing but horror movies. Uh, no, I take the option four, which is put a gun in my mouth. Nothing okay. but romantic comedies. Oh, fuck me. Or nothing but, like, throat gagging, saliva everywhere, deep-throating, face-fucking. This is a tough one. That's that's the three options. So horror, rom-com, or, like, throat-fucking go saliva. I'm going to go rom-com. rom-com. Why rom-com? Well, at least there's a couple of chuckles in there every now and again. <laughs> I mean, I have to beat myself up through all the fucking bullshit romance that's so fake and falsified, but there's occasional chuckles. Okay. Whereas throat fucking, there is nothing funny about that. Rom-com it is. Thanks, babe. Okay. Thanks. Downloading now. Babe, why don't you let me get fairy lights? I have no problem with fairy lights. Why won't you let me decorate an entire room in fairy lights? Uh, There's a few reasons. One, too many fucking fairy lights. Like, it's just thousands of metres of fairy lights, the way you're describing it. Two, oh, whoa, whoa. I'm not done. Two. Who the fuck's going to support the electricity bill? Well, I just said to you... Three. I don't ask for much, man. Come on. Three. It'll look shit. Hey, I can accept one and two. I've asked you to show me a photo of fairy lights covering a room that looks good. You've yet to be forthcoming with said photo. I just want to decorate a room. Yeah, sweet. Like I said, it could be a room away no, from like any room. Like the lounge room. room. We sit down and have a glass of no, wine. No, And turn the fairy lights on. No. And have a fluffy rug. Fluffy rug you can have. Can I really have a fluffy rug? Yes, but you won't buy one because you're too much of a fucking tight one. At the next place I want to buy one. You won't, though, because you'll be like, oh, it's 300 bucks versus something that's 50 bucks that's short. I'm going to get the $50 one. Then you'll get it home and be like, fucking hate this rug. And I'll be like, yeah, it's because you didn't get the fluffy one you want. And you'll be like, yeah, you're probably right. Um, Would you rather sniff some other random girl's panties from the internet or sniff your own? I don't have panties. Well, like, you know, jocks or whatever. What? Would you rather sniff another girl's, a random girl's panties from the internet or sniff your own jocks? Sniff my own, I guess. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've got particular tastes in panties. 
Okay. I don't want just no random internet panties. How much would you pay for a pair of panties off the internet that was, like, worn by a girl? Zero dollars and 33 cents. <laughs> You're cheap ass. No, I'm just not into sniffing panties. Mm. I mean, i got my own panties at home that I can sniff. But you'd, you, you're not doing it, though, right? What? Me sniffing my own panties? Yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. Okay. Sniff them all the time. They smell like shit. <laughs> You're gross. Well, I mean, I should wipe better. So gross. Now, I also wanted to further harassment mode this morning, Dee, when I actually videoed you and your reactions to something that I sold on the internet. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't really that much of a reaction, so I'm not sure why you're showing it to people. I think it's interesting that there was no reaction. I mean, that in itself is an interesting reaction. I basically sprung on you that I'd sold a pair. So what do you think you could do to have me be disturbed by what you've done? Dude, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I I sold sold my panties on the internet. You're underselling it if you think that it's just selling panties on the internet. And you were just like, yeah, cool, what of it? And actually had to go at my vacuum sealer not working properly. Like, that was your reaction. So yeah, funny. and then I spent the next hour fixing the fucking vacuum sealer. You did. So I actually put that video up on Patreon because I thought it was hilarious that there was no reaction to the fact that I'd sold panties on the internet. So there you go, if you want to go have a look at that. Let's talk a little bit about what we've been up to lately. And in, in particular, we did have a request from a listener, Honeyspoon, on Twitter, if you want to go check them out. And they asked us to talk a little bit about how we have been dating during COVID. And they asked us, you know, what are some of the precautions that you might take? Like, do you have any tips, hints, like what are your thoughts on it and stuff like that? So I thought we'd spend just the first little bit of this podcast before we get into the interview, just talking about that. Okay. First and foremost, we were supposed to be catching up with a single guy tonight for some play. He did cancel on us, and uh, I think that was one of the reasons why people were sort of saying, hey, you know, how are you guys managing COVID? So to kind of lay, give you guys an understanding of what we've actually been doing, so far we've only met up with one couple that we've played with, met up a few times now, and we have met this single guy for coffee and then we're supposed to catch up tonight for a play date. So, I mean, just generally, like, Daryl, what's your thoughts on how we're managing COVID? Well, I mean, we don't really need to manage COVID. The government's doing it on our behalf. So, you know, I think living in a country where people are responsible and being asked to do responsible things and actually doing that is, is a stark advantage to other places in the world. When you've got a government that's taken control of the issue and it is now down to what, what did we have over the last five days, one infection in the community? Yeah, so in the last four days we've had zero infections in the community. And- for, for six million people, zero infections in the community. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not really that much for us to worry about, to be honest. Uh, we just follow the guidelines of wearing the masks when we're asked to, which is any time we're out in public. And other than that, it's uh, pretty unlikely. Uh, and of course, there's you know there's traceability on where we're going into supermarkets, shops, cafes, all of those things you have to scan into before you go into. And if you don't scan in, you don't go in. So it makes it very simple for people to find out exactly who's been exposed to a potential transmission. And with that, it's, you know, it's, it's makes it fairly easy to put, ask people to stay home when they're, uh, when they're in that bucket. And if you are in that bucket and you've asked, and you're asked to stay home for 14 days, you get paid to stay home for those 14 days. So, you know, I think we, we really don't have to think about it much at all. 
Yeah, and I think I think it is important to note. Obviously, this is being you know this is different for every city and every country out there. So when we were asked this question, you know, how do you, how are you guys managing COVID and the swinging lifestyle? It's like, well, it's really interesting and difficult to talk about because of the fact that you know some countries and cities even around the world or states around the world are, are managing this very differently and have different requirements. So an example of that is at the moment in Melbourne, in Australia, you know, you've got a legal requirement to be in lockdown. So obviously they're not out. People in Melbourne, well, they shouldn't be actually. There was a swingers party in regional Victoria, but that was a whole other thing. And, you know, and then. To which they were fined. For, for, for doing that. Fine yep. for doing that, yeah. So, I mean, look, there's obviously the, the legal side of it that you've got to look at. Then there's the personal risk associated with it, and you've got to understand that, yes. I think that's a pretty simple one for me. I put, I put a condom on every time I'm interacting with a woman because I have a respect for her for her and my safety when it comes to our sexual interaction, and I don't see any difference when it comes to our non-sexual interaction. Um, certainly if I'm standing to talking to, and talking to somebody and they – uh, you know, even with our encounters we've had over this period, we've not shake, sh- uh, shook hands with these people. Generally, there's not been a, a kiss to start with. It's been an elbow bump or a fist bump. You know, that that's, I think, is just people taking care of themselves and taking care of others. And what I will say, just to, to, to touch on this before we get off this particular topic, is that, you know, when you are talking to people and you're understanding what they're also doing, you know, how they are approaching this part of this, the reality that is, you know, 2020 at the moment, are they looking after their own health? Are they staying home or are they going out to large parties? Or, you know, I think understanding what those other people are doing helps you to then understand really what is the risk profile involved in meeting with them as well. But look, for us, like Daryl said, there's barely any cases. Right now there's uh, there's about 100 cases, actual infections in Singapore and in terms of the number of people that are infected. So we've got 6 million or, or what is it, uh, six, 600,000 to one chance of running into somebody who has it. And one of the joys of actually identifying people when they come into the country who have COVID is that they are asked, or sorry, asked, they are required to take 14 days in um, in isolation after they arrive. So, you know, it becomes uh, uh, almost impossible for us to expose ourselves to COVID. Uh, it's not impossible, but certainly the percentage chance is significantly lower than potentially being exposed to, say, syphilis, genital warts, herpes, pick a, pick a sexual tra- sexually transmitted disease and it's much lower. And frankly, the risk is much lower as well if you simply put on a mask. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. It's, it is all about risk profile. It's about risk mitigation. Like, what are you comfortable with in terms of your health? And, and going from there, I mean, nobody can tell you, us included, what to do, how to manage this yourself, except again, I, I take out the legal requirements of doing so by your, your governments. But otherwise, you know, you just need to make those decisions for yourself and understand that there is uh, an inherent risk involved in it and understand that, you know, if something negative does happen, then that is a result of your choices, not necessarily the, the situation. So that's how we've been managing it. We've been, you know, not going out and being haphazard about it, even though we, the country itself has a low risk, but we have been a little bit more selective, I guess, with what we've been doing. And, and like Daryl said, you know, we go out to meet people we're still wearing masks and we go out there even just for the coffee catch up for the first catch up obviously if we do have sex with them yes there's no masks involved uh, but you know again we would probably at that point understand a little bit more about how they themselves have been managing their health so that's a little bit about that really nothing else to add really yeah well i mean there's plenty to add but there's plenty to add but i'm not sure any of it will be will be taken ter- taken terribly well by a whole load of people but it's you know it, it is not a it's not a political issue. It's a health issue. So, you know, take your health seriously or not, it's up to you. Yeah. All right. So let's now get into the interview today with Rebecca Blue. After this episode, the next one is actually going to be a, a live 
podcast that we recorded with our patrons with the game of lifestyle card deck. So that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed kind of playing that game live with everybody and, and answering all the questions, both Daryl and I. And, and you will hear about what is a classy alley as well. So that's a little story to look forward to at the end of the next podcast that we're going to do. But otherwise, guys, for today, enjoy the interview here with Rebecca Blue, a self-confessed slutrepreneur, and we will be back soon. Bye, all. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Swinging Down Under podcast. I'm joined by a really interesting guest today, and I'm going to introduce you to Anna D. And this is AKA Rebecca Blue, and we will get to that in a little bit. But Anna D is a self confessed slutrepreneur who started her career in a strippers club and now is a self made entrepreneur with an e commerce empire. Welcome to the podcast, Anna. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited that you had the time to join us. I know you're such a busy, a busy lady. And so to get you actually on the podcast was just like, woo, <laughs> one for the books. I looked at your podcast and I was really excited to be a part of it. Thank you. We're very excited, as always, to have guests that are not only sex positive, but really have an interesting story to tell. And that's definitely our guest today, ladies and gentlemen. So Anna D, literally from the champagne room to the, to the boardroom. <laughs> so a stripper who become a CEO, always an interesting story. But Anna, kind of give us, give us a little mm-hmm. bit of like a five minute kind of intro. Like, who are you? What are you doing? What's happening in your world right now? I'll do my best, but my, my name's Anna D and mostly known as my alter ego, Rebecca Blue. And like you said, I've been dubbed the e-commerce queen, the master of selling weird things on the internet. And after nine years of being in e-commerce straight out of my house, I've started and sold over 10 businesses with zero investors. So definitely a self-made CEO. (laughs) But now that I've fulfilled my dreams, my goal now is to really use my experience to help other sluts succeed. So there's a lot of crazy things that have happened in those nine years, but it's just a blessing to be where I am now. And I'm excited to get into all the dirty details. Yes. And I just saw that you, uh, congratulations are in order. I saw that you moved into a large warehouse. I think you've increased your your footprint there, your your product lines and everything like that. So congratulations. I mean, I'm, I'm so excited every time I open my Instagram and I see something that you're doing it. Your energy kind of, I think, really is bringing a lot of energy to other people out there. Yeah, it's terrifying. You know, high risk, high reward. There's always more responsibility when you transition to that. And Anna D really tells the story of what's happening behind the scenes of Rebecca Blue. And I've really noticed on social media how much engagement you really receive when you're just honest as hell about everything. And people really want to see like what happens in a warehouse. They don't want to see the pretty sugar coated business that everyone wants to portray as perfect. Thank you for noticing that and you know, being a part of the whole uh, the whole family on Instagram. Thank you. Now, before we get into some of the topics, and guys, what we're going to talk about today is becoming sex positive, and and really, I guess how Anna did become Rebecca. So that's the sex positive side of it. We're then going to talk about really delving into being a slutrepreneur and what that means to Anna. And, uh, and then we're going to give some personal snapshots. But first, before we get into all of that, I realized recently when I was doing some research on you that you uh-huh. had a tattoo removed. And why that stuck out to me is because I put a tattoo on myself, on my leg. When I was yeah. 13 years old, I got a needle and some ink. I'm not joking. I put a tattoo on my leg and it was there until I was about 25. And I finally mm-hmm. paid the money and had it removed. What did you have on your foot or leg? I think it was on your foot that you 
you removed yeah. when you were 16? What happened? It's not really an exciting story. It's, it's kind of sad, I guess. But my, when my dad left when I was a young girl, uh, one of the really important things I had left from him was a note in his handwriting that said, I love you to the moon and back. That was something my parents always told me. And I really wanted to get that note written on my foot in his handwriting. But me being the rebellious kid wanting to hide everything from my mom, I got the tattoo almost on the bottom of my foot. And I wasn't aware that that part of your skin doesn't hold ink very well. And of course, it was done like at a house party. So that didn't help. So over time, it started to look like scribble and I'd go get a pedicure and be like, what's this? Um, (laughs) So I just I made the choice to get it removed and then in the future kind of redo it now that my dad and I have a relationship again that yeah, that's the story. Interesting. No, I think there's, I just thought it was really interesting, intriguing, I guess, because, you know, I've been one of those rebellious teenagers and then later gone, yeah, I'm going to get this removed and I'm going to start again. And and now I do actually have a professional one on my back, completely different topic, but it's just thought that really resonated with me. But let's talk about being sex positive. So we're all about sex positivity on this show. It's really, really important that we bring a lot of diversity out there for our listeners because not everybody has the same journey right now. In a few of the articles published on you, most notably inked, by the way, which bloody congratulations. you you talk a lot about making your start and how webcamming helped you to become sex positive and really explore your own sex positivity. And I really want to talk about that. So first and foremost, let's maybe set the scene. When did you actually start camming? Do you still cam? Tell us maybe where you are with that. I'm so excited. I'm a little giggly right now. It's always fun when you meet someone and they're like, so tell us about being a stripper because you don't really get that from normal day-to-day strangers. (laughs) But yeah, being in the Inked magazine was insane. I actually tried to get in their uh, cover girl contest and I didn't win, but then they reached out to me and I was like, what the fuck is this really happening? Cause I still can't swallow when successful things happening. It just doesn't make sense to me because I don't have a business background or anything. I'm mm-hmm. just going off of, like you said, what I learned at the strip club right now. I'm not doing like, I'm not a dancer anymore. I don't webcam anymore, but I recently did start only fans, which seems to be a very popular thing. So I would, it's very similar to webcamming. I'd say. And after going viral on TikTok a few times about how I've sold weird things on the internet, I've started to do that again solely to make content. So that's been really exciting. I love that. And actually on Instagram, just out there, and we're going to probably spice this up as we're talking about the podcast, but you, I think yesterday I saw a post where you sold the disposable thongs that they give you when you go get a pedicure. And then I saw you vacuum sealing them up and selling them. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so giggly. It's just crazy because it's so normal to me. The requests I get from these guys who have kinks because it's very normalized in the fetish world. So if if you're like a foot slave or you're into foot fetishes, anything that your feet touch are prime to sell to this kind of clientele. So I was actually getting a pedicure with my mom before her and I did a podcast and I was like, mom, I should totally bring these home, right? Because I just, I don't know when, when you do that sort of thing, like your mind just thinks in money terms. So I went home and right when I got home, I just TikTok the whole thing, reached out to a client and he was like, of course, I'll take this, that and the other too. So that's one of the viral videos videos that happen. And I mean, they're reaching like the tens of millions. I don't know how they're still staying on TikTok yeah. with their 
uh, policy, but it's strange, interesting, and really fun at the same time. Well, here's what I like about it, though. I like, like you just said, your mind starts to really shift in in how you see things, and that's what I like. Because I and we'll talk, you know, about going going into sex positivity. But I like the fact that you were doing something that could be quite mundane, and you're going, hold on a second, there's opportunity here, and I think that's really powerful. So you spent six months in a strip club, and mm-hmm. you've spoken about some of the things that helped to shape your success. But what did you learn from that experience? Like what key fundamental things at that strip club have helped you now to be your slutpreneur self? I could go on and on about how the strip club was such a magnificent place. It was like walking into a video game. And luckily I had a very safe experience. It's not so safe for everyone. Mm -hmm. But in that quick time that I was there, I learned everything about business. It taught me how to make a sale, how to turn that sale into a returning customer. Uh, With all the girls working there, you're taught about competitive marketing. You learn your return on investment, which is your time. You know, time Mm -hmm. is money if if a customer denies the dance, you got to keep it moving. Then that moved into money management, how to save your money, how to invest it back into the career taxes. I I really learned about how to enhance my strengths and down my weaknesses because you realize you're not everyone's cup of tea. And that's kind of how it is in life and on social media. Yes. So that was uh, extremely helpful. And that just leads to building a thicker skin, which is invaluable. Learning to handle criticism is so necessary for being a sex worker. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Actually, I think it's just necessary for life, to be honest, to get yeah. some of those criticisms. And we get them all the time. I actually had some hate mail earlier this week directed at me on a personal level. And oh, it's hard. Oh. You get that email and or you get that feedback. And I think at a strip club, it's face to face, which is even more difficult. And you, you have to process it. And it takes a lot of emotional intelligence to be able to do that. So I think that is yeah invaluable just for life. You know, secondly, your business is your baby. So when someone True. attacks, like imagine if someone attacks your child, you're going to go full force mama on them. So I've learned over the years, if you, especially online, if you leave a footprint that'll stay there forever, like attacking a customer that could come back and bite you. And it's Mm -hmm. not a great business move. So shout out to my assistant for not allowing me to jump through my computer (laughs) screen. Yes. You've always got to have that person who's acting as a bit of an ally, like, hold on a second, the yin to yang, if you really want to say it like that, just think through it. I know, right. So webcamming, deal with a lot of people who have different kinks, right? And you said that you've sort of seen the vast diversity of the people's kinks and, and there's no shame on this podcast. You know, we, we don't yuck anyone's yum. We really embrace the fact that people just love different things. But I want to talk specifically about when you started and you started to see all these different kinks and people requesting all this stuff. How did that help you and your sexuality? That's a really good question because a lot of girls who start webcamming, they aren't even aware of how slim their sexuality potential is. And I think it's such a beautiful journey where you meet all these clients and they kind of open you up to a world you've never really witnessed before. So it honestly, it, it started my whole sexuality journey Prior to that, I never even properly orgasmed. It's so a little ashamed to say that, but better late than never. So honestly, I think it was my Amazon wish list. I had a Hitachi on there, which is 
sounds like a giant, massive. Oh, we know what they are. Everybody, <laughs> everybody who's listening to this podcast would be knowing what a Hitachi is. Actually, it's pretty common. Uh, pretty common in a strip club. Oh, sorry, in a swingers club or <laughs> at a swingers event. Let me tell you, they are everywhere. Yeah, and I'm talking about the original. I believe the brand remade it, and it's kind of a weaker version. That's a whole side rant. But uh, so I got this in the mail, and I was so scared to use it. I really didn't know how to use it. It was sitting in my closet forever. And finally, I kind of just was like, okay, I have to use this if I want to use it webcamming. And to be very honest, I will never forget quivering in my bedroom and feeling like like after the explosion happened because it kept going, it kept heightening and heightening. And I was scared. I thought I was going to pass out or die because I've never <laughs> felt that feeling before. And I was like, well, I'm just going to keep going. Fuck it. And laying there completely numb. I actually, in my ears, I couldn't hear anything like the vibration in my ears. Like I, I just lost all my hearing. It kind of echoed and it still happens to this day. I don't know if that's normal or not, but it was the most intense inner outer body experience I ever had. And that moment was like a fire awakened in me, (laughs) like a freaking, uh, I don't know what it was like world domination just started running through my veins. And that was the beginning. I mean, ever since then, I wanted every toy. I wanted to figure out how to come this that way and the other. And like I mentioned before, every show I had with a client, I was willing, open and so excited to see what they were into and how I could please them because ultimately the more I pleased them, the more compensation I was, I would get. And it was, it was just so natural to me. Oh, I miss those days. <laughs> yeah. I know those first, those first few moments of just exploration are amazing, you know, um, and, and thank you for sharing that. And I don't think there's any, any, there's no shame in having a delayed reaction to an orgasm. Actually, it's not mm-hmm. uncommon for me. I met a 55 year old woman last year here in Singapore who has three kids and she's never had an orgasm. And so, you know, I think it's, it's, it's more common than I think than most people think. Well, the funny thing is if I'm at a bar and I, you know, I'm talking to a girl, I tell her I sell sex toys. One thing leads to another. And I'm like, have you ever owned a Hitachi before? And then literally that night I will be mailing her a Hitachi to her house. And that's probably happened about 10 times because I feel like it's my God-given duty to help women (laughs) orgasm. I, I love it. And side question about those kinks. Was there anything out of those kinks or those requests that you were getting that you maybe, you know, obviously you didn't know about it, you then heard about it, or you requested it and that you were maybe surprised that you enjoyed it? Is there any kinks that you kind of picked up along the way? That's a really great question. Role play, like sister brother role play was really difficult since I have a brother. Mm-hmm. Daddy daughter stuff, you know, lots of role play was hard to, to act and fully commit to that. So some of that stuff I just brushed off and would move on to the next. A lot of guys into the pee and poop thing uh, wasn't didn't really have the balls to do that. I commend any girl who can. But I'd say those were the the top two. And I, I'd like to turn that around and ask you if if you've ever experienced someone who had a an abnormal kink that you weren't maybe exactly comfortable doing. So in the swinging lifestyle, sometimes we, you know, we do, we do obviously, you know, we come across a lot of different people who love different things and, and foot fetish in particular is, is, I mean, just really common, just generally out there in, in public. It's actually much, much more common uh, than, than I think more people think. It's over 30% of um, people like uh, feet, you know, they have foot fetish. And, oh, wow. and so sometimes when you see these things, they're not maybe, 
I don't want to say normal in a swingers club because, you know, really what is normal, but I mean, just generally, you know, mm-hmm. what sort of interactions you would see in there. And so during sex, you know, I've had people say to me, you know, can I, can I suck your toes? And for me, it's not, it's not that I, I didn't like it. It's just that it's almost a little bit out of the normal in that environment. Whereas if it was perhaps back in my home, if we were having inviting, you know, a single guy or a couple or a few couples over to our house, that's different. Cause for me that it's like that uh, environment really plays a part in my mental state. You know, I'm like, okay, that the foot fetish belongs in my house when it's not out in the public eye or, mm-hmm. you know, those sorts of things. So that's probably the the difference I think is that we do see a lot of different kinks. You know, we, we do get involved personally. I, I enjoy um, some BDSM as well and I enjoy some rope play and things like that. And again, you know, I might reserve those for maybe at home because they're a little mm-hmm. bit more intimate than, which seems strange than just literally fucking in a club, which I know seems crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's honestly a fantasy of mine would be to go to a club. I, I enjoy being admired and that would be, it's on my bucket list, but I'm in a very small Southern country town here in America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it wouldn't, I don't know if it would be the most fun thing to do that here. And especially with the pandemic, I, you know, you're not sure how safe everything is, but definitely on the bucket list. Oh, absolutely. And if you need any recommendations, uh, we, mm-hmm. we've, we've been to heaps of clubs in the States and uh, we can definitely throw, throw some recommendations at you there for which ones to head to. Let's now take a pause and go back to the freaky things that you sell on the internet. And by freaky, yeah. I'm in embracing the word freaky so don't think I'm, I'm downplaying this but I, I know that you have an IUD story and when I read about it I was dying because I was like dang that girl knows how to make bank and I thought the same thing about the feet thing T- tell us tell us your IUD story I knew I would regret telling that story <laughs> uh, first of all it's such a joy to be known as the girl who sold her IUD and I hope this inspires anyone with one to think about this but when when you're selling weird things things on the internet. I mean, typically from fingernails to foot wax, leg hairs, anything on your body that comes off of it or out of it is money. So when I was at the gynecologist getting mine traded out for a new one and it, it stays inside of you for five years, when you took it out, which is brutally painful, by the way, uh, he, he pretty much threw it in the trash. I don't know where else it would have gone. And after he left the room, it just struck me with the freaky brain I have that I should probably sell that online. So I took it out, put it in a little baggie, and I felt so naughty doing that. And I reached out to a client that I knew would be interested in that. He always bought, I mean, he would just get the stranger side of things. Mm -hmm. Like I said, fingernails, like tongue scrapings, Q-tips, just, I mean, strange to me, not strange to him. And so, like I mentioned in that interview, it was a four-figure price that we came to agreement on. And now I know he owns something from me that has been inside of me for five years, which doesn't really happen very often, I'm sure, with with the things he buys from uh, women or men. So that that's really the story. It's a little um, interesting. But to me, that's just a normal day. It's like if something if I blow my nose, I know I can sell that tissue to somebody. <laughs> Well, here's, here's what I liked about it, though, because I, I don't have an IUD, but I, I have I used to have one in my arm, a different uh, type. And I just actually had that. I pu- had it put in about a year and a 
half ago, it wasn't working for me. It was messing things up and I just had it removed uh-huh. about, I don't know, two months back. And shame on you. That was like $750 <laughs> to get it out. And so when I read that story, instantly I was like, fuck, that would have paid to remove the bloody thing. To if remove I- it. Yeah. <laughs> so expensive. Okay. So just finishing up the, the kind of the sex positivity side of it, what would be mm-hmm. a gold star piece of advice you want to give to somebody who maybe was, is in your position or has been in your position? And they're thinking about how to explore their own sexuality and they're not really too sure how to go about it. What would you recommend to them? That is a common question I get from women, uh, girls when I'm on social media because I do sell sex toys. The Horny Stoner is one of my websites where we sell bongs and butt plugs. So girls are really curious what type of toy they should get, what type of pipe they should start out with. And I love to reiterate to girls who are interested in, in starting their sexual journey that you're first love should be yourself. That's something that I never learned. And I learned it the hard way by being a little bit of a late, a late bloomer. And I just gave my sexuality away without even knowing how to be in tune with my own. My adv- advice to anyone is to learn and love every single part of you. It's so important because if you can take that energy into the bedroom, not only are you going to feel better during sex, but your partner will be more arousing that you're fully being aroused. So my suggestion would be that to first thing, you know, you go through puberty and you want a boyfriend, but maybe learn how to touch and feel yourself and see if you can orgasm topically or internally and to do it safely. If uh, you feel comfortable talking to your your parents about sex or a sex educator. I think that's really important and very lacking in the in the whole education system. And that's a whole nother subject. And if you're 18 and up, I think it's so important to support sex workers. I think following girls or guys on OnlyFans is an amazing way to support sex workers and also help see what turns you on. So those would that would be my advice for uh, someone thinking about how to explore their sexuality. I love that. And also, um, it's it's interesting because I even, I think it was last episode or the episode before, I actually recorded myself um, masturbating. And I mean... Is, wait, can you do that on a podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? I've thought about that. I asked my boyfriend, I was like, can I just give you a blowjob? Could that just be the whole episode? And he was like, that's totally illegal. <laughs> no, as long as it's marked explicit and you're in the sexuality realm, you're fine. And so I, I recorded myself just audibly, not, not video, and I played it at the end of one of our podcasts recently. And it was hard to share for starters because you never know how this stuff is going to land when the listeners are out there listening. But why I did it was because I wanted to share my own exploration of sexuality and I put it to our listeners to say hey go and record yourself and then play it back because what I found was I was even in sitting in my own room on my own I was embarrassed to listen to myself orgasming and I think Uh even even now even somebody who is already exploring the sexuality and may just be even exploring a kink or going into the alternate Mm -hmm. relationship style there's so many things even now that I learn about myself and I love it I love the journey and think about when especially webcam models and OnlyFans girls start their accounts, it takes so much courage to record yourself coming. Like I'm, I'm so happy that webcam modeling kind of taught me what worked for me and it evolved into me really enjoying watching myself come. So it, that's interesting. You said that because it takes, I think it takes a superpower to do that. And the, the more comfortable and confident you are, the more money you'll probably make because people can feel that energy when they connect with you and pay for your content. 
Yeah, and in the swinging lifestyle, I think the more comfortable you are with that side of your sexuality, the more you're going to enjoy exploring yourself with others because similar to being in a webcam and coming, like if you're in a Mm -hmm. swingers club or you're with some new people, sometimes there's an element of like shame around that or maybe you're not shame but you can't let yourself fully go and enjoy that experience. And so I think doing Mm -hmm. these things and pushing your own personal boundaries sometimes can really heighten that experience. So for everybody out there listening as well, um, Anna just mentioned the Horny Stoner, which is her site for for bongs and sex toys and accessories and things like that. So head to thehornystoner.com and and we're going to be mentioning a few links and they'll all obviously be in the show notes today for everybody listening so you don't have to get your pen and paper out and you can get them later. Okay, so let's now talk about becoming a slutrepreneur and 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 how what that means to you the word slutrepreneur you're you're the ceo at the moment of of three brands and you mentioned before you've sold some so an Mm e-commerce superstar you've created something from nothing as you said before you know you didn't have uh seed as investors you know it's just been something Mm -hmm. that you've created so what i want to talk about is how have you found many roadblocks as a ceo to being out there so sexually and as you said before just even being out there authentically as yourself yeah it's definitely been a long journey. And I think being a slutrepreneur is really a word that describes me. And even in my TikTok bio, I put a bimbo with brains because on the outside, I appear as this pretty girl with tattoos who can talk really slutty. But what people don't know is on the inside, I'm a freaking e-commerce mastermind who is is kind of using what I got as a as a brand. So that's kind of my secret is, you know, yes, you can um, be sexy and like do TikTok dances and get followers that way. But for me, I got my fan base from sharing my knowledge and what I've learned from my sexuality. So it's definitely been difficult, especially for people who kink shame online. I have a lot of men telling me how and what I should be doing with my body, which is difficult for me to swallow. And shout out to the men who are supportive of women showing their body. But it's really helped me cut ties with anyone who puts out negative energy towards me. And I mean that with friends, family, anyone online, I've just learned, you know, what's the point of accepting that energy at all. But people who hate typically aren't happy. And people who hate typically see something in you that they wish they had, or they're scared to admit. And I've grown to be more sympathetic with people who don't understand because I don't expect them to understand it. It took me 10 years to, to become mature in that mindset instead of being so defensive about my sexuality roadblocks and that sense are definitely like we talked about having a thick skin, building the courage to be okay with showing my body and accepting the consequences and knowing that I won't be able to get certain jobs down the road, knowing that some of my family may not be proud of it. And having to come out to my family was more difficult for me than them. And luckily, there's a lot of unconditional love in my family. But I created fake websites to show them when I was younger. So I so I wouldn't show them my real website. Uh, So that's kind of the roadblocks sexually. And as far as e-commerce in general, the roadblocks, I mean, every day is a new roadblock when you have no idea what the fuck you're doing, selling stuff on the internet every day is Googling how to fix it and just plowing through the problems and moving forward because it's, it never stops. That was a great question. 
And actually, I just want to mention, we've spoken a lot about kind of sexuality and camming and, and OnlyFans and stuff, and we did mention the Horny Stoner earlier, but the other brands is the, for example, yeah. the Alien Outfitters, and you've got um, Blades for Babes as well. So it's not just, yeah. uh, we're not talking about content here, we're talking about physical items that you are bringing in and shipping out. And, and actually, mm-hmm. I, I really do enjoy a lot of the diversity on the Alien Outfitters. And and what's your tagline for that store? Something about getting for de weirdos or something? Yeah, it's basically accenting your individuality. And I've always dressed in a very strange way. The The second I start looking like everybody else, I feel really uncomfortable. So I wanted to provide like a secret online style source where our Baileyans, that's what we call them, can just feel comfortable. So it's more of like a little alien family than it is just customers. We've created a community of people who feel like they don't belong and it really reflects that if you go to our socials and and see the positive comments and how we just don't, it's hard to explain. We, I don't know, over the years, it's it's really been a magical journey and it's just evolving into so much more. Alien Outfitters was my only website, but because I sold knives, toys, and pipes there, I quickly couldn't advertise anywhere. Yeah. Algorithms changed. We just got shut down left and right. So I, I made a really risky decision last year to branch those collections into two different niche stores. And it was honestly the best risk I ever took. So last year, that's when Horny Stoner was born. That's when Blades for Babes was born, which is self-defense for women. And, you know, now I have three babies to take care of. So it's a little overwhelming, but hopefully once we hire more this year, you know, it's crazy right now. Hopefully we'll see some more growth and kind of intertwining the three brands. They're they're kind of like sister stores, if that makes sense. Yeah. But Thanks for plugging me. I appreciate that. No, it does. It does make a lot of sense. And and two points on that. I mean, one is first of all, the the, the stuff that you're selling on Alien Outfitters would have absolutely a place in the swinging lifestyle because we have a lot of themed cool. events, a lot of hotel takeovers, week long events where we have theme nights. So, for example, we were actually operating a hotel takeover ourselves in Miami, and one of our theme nights was kind of a, a desert rock festival theme, Burning Man type mm-hmm. theme, and a lot of your stuff in there would be completely. It wouldn't be out of place these things so that's why when I was looking at it I was like okay I could wear that to this that to this like super easy you know yeah yeah. you know a lot of my product choices just reflect what I like everything I like typically sells that's kind of my product research so when I did go to raves I had a go-go dancing team a lot of the clothing and rave outfits we sold I put on the website so there's a lot of inspiration from festival culture still to this day even though a lot of people aren't going to festivals this year Mm -hmm. uh, so Burning Man is super cool. Um, We get a lot of our customers there are totally into you know, the music scene. And that's really cool that uh, you guys put that on in Miami. I'd love to see that someday. Thank you. And the other thing that I want to mention as well is is that, you know, you had to split those three brands and that, mm-hmm. that's a huge road, roadblock. And actually it's something that we see yeah. even in the swinging lifestyle. We maybe can't access things like a Stripe payment processor because of the fact that there's mm-hmm. sexuality involved in, in what we do. Oh, so, that's such a good point. That's really a good point. Yeah. So I, I get what you're saying. And I think that, you know, maneuvering, around some of those roadblocks like you've done by splitting your brand into threes to, to be able to get those funnels in is is absolutely ne- not only necessary but but brilliant so let's talk about uh, so slutpreneur do you have any tips for any slutpreneurs out there who want to maybe take what they're doing to the next level creating content and being successful so i don't mean in the sense of just you know here's how to take better photos for like only fans but i'm talking about the fact mm-hmm. that you know you're utilizing these things to bring in t- 
lead generation funnels and everything to to what you're Mm -hmm. doing i mean do you have any pieces of advice out there for people it comes very naturally for me so when people ask questions i hate to say you know google this google that but google has taught me so much but i think when it comes down to creating content in general you just have to do it you can't overthink it and if anyone listening needs a sign you need to start now and if you're not you need to figure out what's stopping you from starting now and most likely it's fear most likely it's fear of judgment fear what your friends and family will think but you have to ask yourself what is the worst thing that can happen do you want to live your life in handcuffs to people's opinions and the second i stopped thinking that way that's when my content became more authentic, more engaging. Everything became more natural. I could get on TikTok and do a cute dance, but I'd be wearing an outfit that I sold at Alien Outfitters and I'd tag my brand in the caption and everything just became very natural as far as intertwining. But the most important part for me is to give no fucks. You know, you can't be worried you don't that you don't have the best lighting or you don't have the best camera or you're not funny. Like none of that matters. People are scrolling so fast. You just have to do something to catch their attention. And for me, it was you know, selling spit online, selling a face mask that I put in my shoe for a week. You know, people stop because they're confused and they want to understand. And, you know, just be you. That's your superpower. You know, that's my advice. If you're wanting to, you know, build an audience is to just be your fucking self. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that, actually, because even when people are thinking about starting podcasts or when people are thinking about starting YouTube and stuff, I know people procrastinate because um, there's so much out there in the world right now with content mm-hmm. creation and Instagram. Like it's just, as you said, TikTok, it's, it's just, it's constant. And I think it's sometimes it is. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes like I'll go to post something and I'll be like, oh, like this morning, I just put up a thing on, on Twitter and I was like, hey, 5.30 mm-hmm. in the morning, getting to ready to interview you and I'm like you know <laughs> I woke up like this because literally I mean I'm, I'm not gonna lie I haven't even brushed my teeth right now like this is me I'm on you know, so I, I, I think if you wait for that that perfect as you said like oh I gotta do my makeup and that's my hair mm-hmm. and it's gonna take an hour and stuff uh, I, I think there's people will accept you and resonate with your message and I think the people that don't like to be honest fuck them because that's not your mm-hmm. ideal person that you want to deal with anyway right and time is money if you you know these girls who spend two three hours hours to do their makeup for TikToks, that's two to three hours they could have spent making TikTok content, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Totally agree. Now, I was listening to your podcast, your Slutrepreneur podcast, and congratulations on all your success there. I mean, it's been, uh, you know, Thank consistently you. in the top podcasting charts for sexuality. So congratulations on really? that. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I had no idea. <laughs> you had no idea? <laughs> No, I, it's hard to pay attention to everything. I will, how about this? I will, I will send you your chart stats on an email after we get off the podcast just so you can have a look and, and, uh, you know, that's so exciting. And your day on a super, super big high. But on, on one of your episodes that I was listening to, you spoke about having some respect for the existing sex workers out there, particularly during the COVID boom. And I mentioned this on a, on another podcast recently that there was in one single day on OnlyFans, there was 170,000 brand new users 
members that signed up for OnlyFans, and and it's going through a massive boom. It has been, of course, growing uh, exponentially anyway as people become more and more aware of the platform. So, of course, there's there's just general growth there, but I think COVID has really pushed that and elevated Mm -hmm. that growth forward. But tell tell me why why you said you know people should have respect for the existing sex workers. What what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, you said it best. The adult industry is thriving right now. Everyone's at home. People are losing losing their homes, their jobs, and their uh, financial safety nets. So people are definitely more open-minded to A, starting sex work, and B, supporting sex workers. And I hope this you know, support continues to grow after, after all this, you know, transition. But I think we really need most importantly to pay respect to the women and men who paved the way for us. And I I know there was an issue with, I think it was Bella Thorne Mm -hmm. who kind of shook up the whole OnlyFans industry and so many uh, models who relied on daily payment or making pay-per-view posts over $50, you know, this totally got X'd out out of nowhere. That to me is really important. Like for me on my OnlyFans today, I went on and I was like, hey, if you're a girl with a free account, comment below. I want to follow all you guys. I want to like your posts. And then it turned into this massive love chain. Everyone started following each other, giving tips. And I know the 20,000 subs that I have were probably following all the the cute girls in the thread. And to me, that was more important than anything because I'm, I'm fine. I'm good financially. So now it's all about how can I help others who need help? And those are the things that get me excited these days because, you know, building a brand and having it successful so many times is one thing. But when you're changing someone's life, that's another. But like you said, we really need to support, pay respect, put out people who started and um, share their stuff, share their content. And it can be difficult when the market becomes oversaturated. But it's one of those industries where the strong survive. It's not made for the weak skinned. So even though 170,000 whatever users said joined, uh, I think over time that'll dwindle down because it's such a a high risk type of industry. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And I, I really appreciate your your sentiment on creating community there as well. I think that's really super yeah. important. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, no problem. <laughs> okay. Now let's step away from being a slutrepreneur and let's Ooh, now okay. head into let's start to wrap the podcast up. Let's talk about some personal snapshots. Right. So I know in, in this podcast we've already spoken about some things that you've sold and kind of your mm-hmm. journey, but your podcast, being a slutrepreneur, stories from successful sluts. Let's talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about your relationship, like what the gossip there? Have you ever had a threesome? What's happening? How do you feel about non-monogamy? We're primor- primarily a non-monogamous podcast, but we are sex positive. Like, let's just let's just get into it for the last uh, few minutes of the podcast. I mean, honestly, I don't give a fuck who you like, what you do, as long as you aren't hurting anyone. And if you are, there better be consent. But I, I just have never judged people. I, I just don't see that as, as normal. I've always was taught unconditional love. So uh, non-monogamous couples doesn't bother me at all. I personally, I like girls. I like guys. I like the everything in between. I'm I'm very attracted to energy more so as a Scorpio at heart. I can be very aggressive and I kind of have to tone that down when I'm interested <laughs> in someone because I just want to consume them wholeheartedly. I, you know, I said I was a late bloomer. So I started really 
indulging in my sexuality around 18. Mm -hmm. But I did meet my partner at the strip club I worked at. And he kind of changed my mind about being with women so much because I just never had a guy really turn me on, you know, up to then a guy never made me orgasm. So experiencing that with him was a game changer. And not only that, but being open to threesomes with him really opened this spectrum of sexuality for me. I thought I was freaky just with him, but add another girl in the mix. I was like, oh my God, I, f- I just felt this like godly energy in bed. And after these um, experiences we had together, I felt so much more connected to him. And Scorpios can have this sense of jealousy. And it's interesting because even to this day, if I'm masturbating, I'll think about those experiences we shared and some of that little jealousy I felt. And it weirdly turns me on a lot. And after I realized that whenever we would have experiences with another woman, I started really being interested in just watching them engage. Because when I'm in that kind of scenario, it's really difficult for me to orgasm because I'm so excited and I want to please everyone else. And I was like, fuck this. I'm just going to sit down in the corner and masturbate to you guys and get some good spank bank material in my head. And, you know, with with age, you learn what you like. So that was uh, an interesting part of my youth, I'd say. So that's really where I'm at. We never swung or anything. We've been together for almost almost 10, nine years. And I don't necessarily share that part of my life on the internet. Like I never post pictures with him. For one, it's not my brand. And two, he doesn't necessarily want to be used or manipulated mm-hmm. um, for brand. And Every couple I've seen online that come off as a branded couple, I see a lot of downward spirals because of that. So when a lot of people ask me like, hey, do you have a girlfriend, a boyfriend, whatever? I'm just like, look, I give my whole life on the internet. I just want to keep my personal life personal. And not only that, on my podcast, I think two episodes, he joins because I love his voice. It's so sexy. And we talk about our threesomes. We talk about how we met. So that's really the only content that I have on the internet with him. If uh, if anyone wants to know about that, it's obviously on my podcast. But God, I just love a supportive man, especially someone who's dating a sex worker. Like, I just want to give a little hand clap yes. <laughs> to the men who are okay with that. It takes a strong man or woman to support that. I, I, I absolutely echo that that sentiment as well. And I just to roll back to your threesome um, situation and saying <laughs> feeling a bit yeah. of jealousy actually turned you on. That's not mm-hmm. uncommon. We actually interviewed a lady called uh, Dr. Jess O'Reilly, who's a, a global sexologist. She's based out of Canada. And she actually yeah. feels the same way. So she loves it oh. when there is a little <laughs> bit of – she's a very powerful woman, but she loves it when there's a little bit of jealousy because it turns her on so much. And so it's really oh. it's really normal actually to – and we speak a lot about compersion in the swinging mm-hmm. lifestyle where you know you you experience these moments of joy when you see your partner engaging something that makes them happy and I mean that can be skydiving or it can be having sex with another person and I think that all of those really interesting feelings are something that it's great to explore and so I'm, I'm glad you shared that because there are people probably out there listening to this right now who do get turned on by you know little bits of jealousy that may creep in from time to time when they are seeing their partner engage with somebody we just spoke about the podcast there so that's the Slutrepreneur podcast guys go and have a listen to 
that where you can, I guess, if you really want to find out about Anna's partner, find some 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 content <laughs> there. But definitely go give it a, give it a listen because in that podcast you talk a lot about how you've built your brand, how you have created content. You give some tips there for people who are wanting to maybe start a store or start an OnlyFans. You know, really how to hustle. To be honest, thank you. And I'm I can't wait to dive in to to your stuff because maybe down the road, babe and I will uh, maybe swing, maybe not. That'll that'll be a conversation down the road. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for being so open. So to everybody out there listening, this has been Anna D, aka Rebecca Blue, and all of the links that we've spoken about today will be in the show notes for you guys to listen to. So please hit up some of her stores. And uh, if you're out there and you're in the sling, swinging lifestyle, do seriously recommend uh, Alien Outfitters to get your next themed mm-hmm. costume because I know for a fact that I'm going to be buying some stuff on there for upcoming items when COVID pisses the fuck off. And um, <laughs> and I, I've really enjoyed the conversation with you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to us and share your story. Thank you so much for having me and accepting me. And thank you, everyone who is listening. All right, guys. So we're going to head out now. Thank you. Have a fantastic day and we'll see you guys all soon. Bye, guys. Thanks again for listening to Swinging Down Under podcast. I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Rebecca Blue. I thought it was super insightful and just really interesting hearing other people's perspectives on how they have really managed their own sex positivity and sexual authenticity. So thank you again, Rebecca Blue from Slutrepreneur. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me and come on the show. I'd like to also just close out this podcast to thank all of our Patreon members. We really appreciate each and every one of you um, so much so that it's actually very hard for me to even explain the impact that you have and the joy that I feel actually kind of interacting with you. We do have some new patrons for the month of September that I want to give a shout out to. So this is a shout out to Scott, Alec, Darren and Lynn, Greg and Darren, another Darren. There you go. So thank you so much for joining our patron. We really, really appreciate all of the tremendous support from each and every one of you. Right. So that's enough for me. We'll see you next episode doing a live version of the game of lifestyle. And until then, have a fantastic day, a week, evening ahead. Thanks, guys. If you're looking for more ways to interact with Swinging Down Under, you can catch us on Twitter at Swing Down Under. You can also catch us on Instagram, Swinging Down Under, or head over to our website, swingingdownunder.com. We would absolutely love to hear from you. So if you would like to send us an email, jump online, do it at cnd at swingingdownunder.com. If you've got podcast topics, questions, you want to talk about your journey, you can also support the podcast through our website by clicking through on any of the affiliate links or alternatively through jumping over to patreon.com forward slash swingingdownunder and sponsoring the podcast. If you can't do any of those things but just want to make a feel-good day, leave us a five-star review. Cheers, everyone, and thank you again for supporting Swinging Down Under podcast.